A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode and a look back at Joss Whedon's iconic shows. I'm MC, and I'm here with... It's Andy. This is David. I'm Jan. And we are talking about band candy. Uh, (laughs) Some people are very excited about doing this episode. This is episode six of season three, and it was written by Jane Espenson and directed by Michael Lang, and it originally aired November 10th, 1998. And welcome, Jane Espenson! Yes, absolutely, my favorite Buffy writer. And wow, what an introduction. I know. Yes, fabulous. Yeah. She's still my least favorite writer for Battlestar Galactica, but she's damn good on Buffy. So. Yeah, well, I have not seen Battlestar Galactica, so I won't comment on that. But I, I've always been a fan of Jane. I'm a huge um, fan. I mean, I, I, only, I only started to get to know her through Buffy, but as I've seen her like turn up in other stuff, I liked her Once Upon a Time stuff, and I know she did one of my favorite Deep Space Nine episodes. She also did one of my favorite Firefly episodes, too. She did Shindig. Didn't she write an episode or two of Torchwood? Yes, I believe yes. so. And she yeah. also wrote yeah. for the stars, the last one, Miracle Day. She wrote and did some story editing and stuff on Gilmore Girls for a while, which I thought was a really good fit for her because it has that Jane Espenson dialogue. And also she got to work with Danny Strong again, who she loves mm-hmm. because he was on Gilmore Girls. So Jane really sets herself up in this episode as setting her voice for Buffy. She starts out with this opening scene of Giles and Buffy in the cemetery doing the SAT prep, mm-hmm. which I love this scene. It's just, it's such a nice scene of Buffy and Giles together. There are a couple really nice scenes of Buffy and Giles together before he rippers out. And then even then, there are some great yeah. ones. I, it is my personal opinion that besides Joss, Jane Espenson gets these character voices the best of all any of the writers. Just her consistent voices of the characters. I just, I love her. One thing I noticed is that she does seem to be really good at giving everybody something to do in this episode. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and everybody sounds in character. Like that's why I'm saying that this is such a strong first outing for somebody. Like even like with Marty, who you know, of course, became the the queen of the show. Her first couple were kind of, but yeah, I don't know how long Jane had been on the show before she actually got to the point of getting a credit. Because usually, you know, you have people working behind the scenes and they'll do some mm-hmm. writing, but. Not to the point of actually like being like. Well, even like here, she's in addition to having written this, she's gotten I think executive story editor credit. Yeah. So I imagine she she wouldn't get all that if she hadn't been hanging around and doing stuff already. Yeah, yeah she's such a clever dialogue writer. Her dialogue is always just like mm-hmm. so clever and fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this this cold open with Giles is it's great, and they play the joke twice in the episode, right? About, like, you think he's going to ask her a question about 
like some kind of Slayer stuff, and then it's yes. an SAT question, and they do it. They bring that back again at the end, which I thought was really smart. Did she slay the vampire with the pencil? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, she broke her number two. Well, I, I wasn't yes. sure if she had actually slain the vampire with the, the pencil, or if she just like broke it in in the fracas. But. I think. No, I, think I got she the feeling stood. she stabbed him with it, and mm-hmm. then it broke when she dusted him, and that's why she needs a new pencil. Which, of course, Giles just happens to have like a whole pencil of. Arms. Of course, yeah. he does. And I know I've remarked on this before. And I know why it happens, but I'm really getting kind of because I'm paying attention, getting tired of seeing whenever Buffy or or Faith, for that matter, has to slay a vampire. There's all this fighting, and I'm like, why don't you just have a stake? I mean, they don't—they're not even carrying stakes when they're on patrol. If they're just sitting there waiting, they don't have a stake to hand. Like you'd think you're, you're a slayer. You, the first thing you would go for is just slaying the vampire rather than just kicking him a lot. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that in this scene too. And though. they do this a lot. I mean, yeah. this, and, and of course the reason is you have to have an action scene. But if you think about it at all, you're kind of like, you're not really very good at your job. <laughs> See, in this scene, it makes sense that she doesn't though, because the fact that she's working on the SAT questions and they're doing the question prep and all that. So I'll give, I'll give Buffy points for not paying attention completely because she's focused on the SATs. But I agree, because I sort of thought that too. Like, why didn't you have something point you out? You know, mm-hmm. why to have all this yeah. like, you're kicking and sp- it's cool though because yeah you need the actions yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, i mean i'm guessing there was probably a stake there that she just forgot to grab like in the moment when she was worried about giles but giles is even though with everything going on he's completely nonplussed and he's just like yeah you're not getting out of your sat prep here's your pencil yeah. and here you go you, you know and- boys got a box of pencils just in his oh yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. He's just like, yep. And I'm sorry, that reddish scarf looks great on him. Um, listeners, this is <laughs> going to be a recurring theme in this episode. Is just like, I'm just going to tell you what the hottest thing about Giles is. And we've established by now that we've established that this is going to happen pretty much full time. Yeah, there is just going to be some deep, deep thirst in this episode. Just... Major thirst. Just as an aside and also a quick plug, this happens to be the episode that I wrote my essay for, for Outside Intakes Established, is coming from ATB Publishing later this year. I'm going to say probably in the fall. And one of the reasons I picked it is because that way I got to watch it over and over and over again. And I had an excuse because it was research, in air quotes, because why shouldn't I watch Hot Giles for hours on end <laughs> yeah see you got you got to do an episode where there was hot giles and then i did an episode with deep emotional i i did the body so i mean yeah yeah, yeah. when we get there you'll have a lot to say but yeah. see that's because you're a deep thinker and sometimes i'm so freaking shallow it's ridiculous yeah. so. <laughs> it's just like quel difference right exactly this for the sublime to the ridiculous I, I fall into the shallow camp a good portion of the time. We move on to the mayor's office because they're the only people up this late. <laughs> I, I really like that they're referring to Ethan as subcontracting. There yeah. is just yeah. this mundanity to the way the mayor handles his evil. And it's mm-hmm. so beautiful going into this cupboard with all of this like satanic stuff. And he's just like, where's the scotch? I love that. Yeah. It's a short yeah. scene, but again, it really hones mm-hmm. in on what what the mayor is about, who the mayor is, how he works. And this is really the first time we really see what he's about. Yeah. Because last last time when he when he brings in Mr. Trick, he's menacing. But we don't get any of the any indication of what kind of mystical crap 
he's into. And then, then here you see him and he talks about tributes to demons. The mayor is a really interesting bad guy and we'll talk about it a lot over the course of the season. But he is the first big bad that we've had on the show who's not a vampire. Before this, it was you know, the master and then it was the, the vamp trio. And so he's something that nobody really knew like what he was. Like when the show, we didn't know that he was human at this point. Yeah, we don't know anything right. about no. him except he has some nefarious purpose. We don't know if he's demon. We don't know if he's human. We, we just don't know, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. And it really builds through the season. They do a good job of, of letting that information out slowly in this season. Who he is is just really, it's strange actually when you think about it because they never really give you his motivations for becoming this evil he's just a power hungry villain yeah but it's it's okay because he's so different like not you know some otherworldly or metaphysical or whatever bad guy he's you know he's as you said there's a lot of mundane stuff about him which is funny as all get out right i mean at this point he is a total mundane villain because we don't know he's actually otherworldly right because he's a big snake guy yeah Um, right we just know and it's established in this episode that he is making deals with demons in sunnydale right Mm -hmm. and and using a vampire as his uh go-between but we get to the opening credits and then go to the gang talking about the sat press which is a great scene they're light they're funny Again, like I, I love these little sort of throw, I'm going to say throw away in a bad way, these little scenes where people are just talking about stuff and we get bonding between our characters and Oz is there and he's cute and he knows the secret to antonyms. I'm a little bitter that we were denied Buffy and Oz studying together. Oh, I know. I know. That would have been like so awesome just to have, because I, I, I'm not thinking of any like major scenes between them. At least prior to this. And yeah, that would have been a great moment. They do have very few scenes with Buffy and Oz together, but the ones we do have are really good. And I mean, Sarah and Seth are really good friends. And like, Mm. even up till now, like she does voices on Robot Chicken. Well, everybody does voices on Robot Chicken. Yeah, I I follow him on on Instagram and I know she comments on his social media and stuff too. Yeah, she's been doing voices on Robot Chicken since the first season. And yeah, we got Mm. the last time we had a great Buffy and uh, Oz scene is when he's trying to follow the rat. And then she shows up naked and he's like, it's just this really short scene. But it's great, and they have wonderful chemistry. And it's also, I, I just like the kind of, you know, would uh, Willow gushing over Oz and stuff, which is why, as we'll get to later, there are things that uh, are even more. Yeah, but it's like, but the 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 dynamics, at least of the couples, as they should be, work really nicely. And Cordelia has layers. And I do love Cordy's line. What? I can have layers. Because you can, yes. Cordy. She has many no layers. No one's going to recognize your layers, but you have lots of layers. And we've already established in mm-hmm. prior podcasts that Cordy is a really good student. That does really well in us, so. Yeah, and she's actually very smart. She just kind of plays vacuous when she wants to, but we know she's an intelligent person. And that's something that even carries over onto Angel. Like, they treat her a lot better on Angel. But even Angel Investigations Mm -hmm. does kind of discount Cordelia's intelligence at at times they can think that she's pretty vacuous um at moments and you know cordy's just great i love her i do too they end up going into the cafeteria and by the way apparently jane espenson cameos in there as lunch lady oh didn't know that i saw that on the buffy wikia uh snyder is there handing out band candy for everyone to sell and 
Cordelia has layers and apparently so does Buffy because she like pops out with this Willie Loman reference. I know. Like it's one of those ones where I'm like, did they read that in high school? Did we read that in high school? Uh, I read it in high school, but it was for drama class. So Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not in my regular lit classes. I am not Mm -hmm. incredibly familiar with Death of a Salesman, but I at least know the reference. You know the reference, yeah. But still I know a lot of references that I don't think Buffy would. It's one of those comments where I'm like, okay, I can see Buffy having layers, but maybe not this particular layer yeah i don't know why i'm just remembering we actually read it and saw a production of it in high school but i was in it was either like honors english or ap english or one of those so i don't know whether or not you know, buffy would be that highbrow but maybe she saw the movie or you know whatever i mean it so. is it is a pretty common you know i mean mm. i mean it's not uncommon i mean it's not like the most obscure yeah she's not bringing up stuff like blood wedding or you know right. but, Lorca. But, uh, or something. might have might have been a school play at some yeah, point. Yeah, could have been. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I do love the line though. I do. I think. Yeah, it's, it's a great line. But they all have to sell band candy anyways. So uh, Buffy's gonna take the candy to Joyce and try to, you know, hawk it on her. I'm really leaning towards Joyce owning the gallery at this point. Me too. I, I I'm, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. pretty positive she does, and I'm kind of interested. Like, I mean, I'm always interested in the background characters, but I'm like, how did you get interested in this kind of art? Because it's not like an art gallery, like selling paintings or anything. It does seem like she is selling mm-hmm. your more, you know, tribal, like, statues and this kind of stuff. Because that's the only thing that we ever... She's... Yeah, in, like, I mean, the first Buffy... season, it's fertility statues, and then it's, like, the mask that, you know, makes people zombies. And here, Buffy specifically references pre-colonial... Pre-Columbian. Pre-Columbian. Pre-Columbian, sorry. Yeah, so it seems like more primitive, in air quotes, stuff mm-hmm. than, like, you know, Renaissance paintings or something. Yeah. Although, to be fair, I wouldn't be surprised that there would be a market for that in Sunnydale. Oh, oh no! I think point. there definitely good is. Point. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm, I, I just you know had canon that Joyce has like an art history degree or something because she, well, yeah, she goes I to college. That, yeah. She tells yeah. a story to Buffy about going to a dance in college. Yeah, it just it seems like I don't know. I I thought it was I I think about Joyce sometimes. Yeah, I do too. I mean, mm-hmm. she's obviously a successful enough gallery owner that they have a decent middle class house. You know, they're never worried about paying bills or, you know, that, you know, the, the repossessors are coming to take their furniture or anything like that. So she must be doing well. I mean, I think there's definitely maybe some alimony settlement or, I mean, he's a dad, bad father, but I, he's probably paying his child support. I don't know. Whatever. But I, yeah. I, I, I mean, she, she seems successful enough. I'm yeah. wondering if it is more of a found art selling almost artifacts how much almost laundering of like evil artifacts kind of like the mask the the zombie raising mask happens at joyce's gallery like these vampires who are like trying to get like some mystical object into sunnydale that's hilarious and joyce is just like la 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 my god there's like that's like a fanfic waiting to happen yeah it happened and i kind of want to write this fic now yeah that's what i'm saying it's like a story that i want to read this now too because it's really good idea oh my god joyce and spike team up to launder money through her gallery Like, it could just be a little AU thing where they're like, you know, like maybe a season four kind of, uh, Spike's still kind of, anyway, some kind of thing where or Joyce doesn't die and her and Spike team up to uh, Maybe, maybe early season five and Joyce has to do it to pay some of her hospital bills. Oh my God, that's an amazing idea. Because Joyce and Spike are like one of my favorite, like minor 
relationships, right? They're just yeah. funny. They're just hilarious. Yeah, together. And so I want, yeah. yeah. Now I'm just like, yeah, I want, I want Joyce and Mike running some kind of shady business deal together through the gallery. <laughs> this is the best. The best. We find out in this episode that Joyce does love her bad boys. Well, yeah. And actually, in this conversation that they get into, when Joyce doesn't want Buffy to, you know, learn how to drive, they're going back and forth. I mean, <sighs> Joyce in some ways is unreasonable, yeah. but also reasonable. But I think, like, the whole thing about this episode is we kind of find out why Joyce is so concerned about Buffy. Because it's not just about the summer. It's about who Joyce was when she was a teenager. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It'd be like if I had kids, I'd be like, I see through everything you're doing right now. As far as the driving is concerned, later we will see that Buffy is not just a bad or inexperienced driver. She's an irresponsible driver. She yeah. is, I mean, she is just Terrible. not paying attention. And it's like, oh my God, she no wonder Joyce doesn't want her driving. <laughs> well, Joyce yeah. said they wouldn't even let her take the practical because she... Well, she failed so the written. On the written. Yeah. Yeah. So she said they won't even let you take the road test, which makes sense. So mm-hmm. She is an awful, awful driver. Yeah. Although bringing up the whole, I don't want you running off again thing in terms of the driving is ridiculous. As Boy- Buffy points out. It's like, yeah, I can just get on a bus. I can take a cab to the to Sunnydale Airport. Yes. You know, <laughs> I, I I don't know how driving works in the states, but wouldn't she have to pass the written before yes. she was able yes. to take? Oh yes, yeah, I think so. From what I remember, yeah, which is weird because how they phrase it is odd. They wouldn't even yeah. let yeah. you take the the road test. It's like. Of course yes. they wouldn't let you. You failed yes. the written. Well, we, we have established that Sunnydale High has a driver's ed program. So she may have driven the car as a practice, but not be able to take the road test. Yeah. But but then I don't really understand what the argument is between Buffy and Joyce, because Joyce isn't stopping Buffy from driving. Right. It's that was that Buffy, was my thing. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you failed the written a year ago. Go back and take the written test again. Yeah, I mean, I took my road test three times, and I th- or I think it was three times mm-hmm. before I passed. You know, I just it was like maybe two to three months in between each one. You know, because you have to like schedule it and blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and you have to like wait. But I, I passed my written test, but my my yeah. road test was. I mean, see, that's I that's the thing bad. is the written test. It's I mean, you have to learn some stuff, but it's real. I know, and I know Buffy's got a lot on her plate, as as we may have noticed. But I mean, the written test isn't that hard. No, it really isn't. No, it shouldn't. It be. really I mean, isn't. You actually, go in a car and you understand like general rules of the road. I'd say like seventy five percent of it is just normal driving common sense that you would pick up. It's just the mm-hmm. the more like you know when you have to stop. You know how many feet you have to stop before. The yeah, there there are, there are like a few specifics you have to learn, but they give you a book. They give you an actual book that says this is what you have to learn, <laughs> and the book is yeah. like what maybe maybe a quarter inch thick. Yeah, I mean, granted, California may be different than New York mm, in terms that's of, true. you know, they're written in the drive, but not that much. I mean, it's pretty standard in terms of what you need to know. And we how have established today. that the writers on this show don't know anything about high school works or tests work. Yes. Or, you know what I mean? Like, they just are like, let me throw in a thing. But I think the fact that Joyce is still, like, overprotective because it's more Joyce's issue that she's afraid that Buffy's going to, like, leave again. There is an interesting linguistic piece of dialogue in here. She said, you know, Buffy's like... Uh, she, she said two days before the SATs. That is a kind of thing that people say. Like, that's also steeped in a conversation. Mm-hmm. I noticed that because we talk about the linguistics quite a bit. And I, it's something I do. It's something mm-hmm. I know people do. Like, you know, 
quoting yourself, she says, blah, blah, blah. So I just thought that was linguistically interesting mm-hmm. and how that sort of... I had a whole long conversation with my mother when we were out to lunch the other day about how language to change. Verbing. How to explain the adding whys to things. And my mom understood mm-hmm. verbifying. Yes. She did get that. Yeah. Like, go- Googling. She's like, oh, I Googled it. Like, but, like, I had to explain adding whys to things. It was it was a really fun conversation. And I, of yeah. course, brought up Buffy. Yeah. As Calvin pointed out, verbing weirds language. That was, a, that was from yes. Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was an interesting conversation where I brought up a lot of Buffy stuff, but, um, again, it just shows how much this show has Mm -hmm. influenced language and these writers who have gone on to write other things. Mm -hmm. Like Gilmore Girls is going to start around here sometime soon. A lot of that same kind of (laughs) cadence of writing and, and talking and things like that. Yeah. But, uh, the fight or not fight, let's say, um, minor disagreement, the quibble between Joyce and Buffy ends because Buffy's got to go train with Giles and the, the, the training, the, the training that takes two seconds. And I, I find it funny and also really sweet that even though Giles works at the damn school, he still bought 20 chocolate bars from Buffy specifically. Mm-hmm. Right. Because he loves her. Right. Well, he's her father figure. So, right, like, exactly. so essentially her mother and her effective father, father bought right. her candy bars. Not unusual. <laughs> right. It's so interesting to see this relationship. And I think that the writer's room in general and the show staff are really setting up that wonderful, easy relationship between Buffy and Giles right now. I mean, we're going to get some stuff coming up when she's obviously, if we find out she's, oh, she's yeah. been lying to him, yeah. but just this sort of easy relationship. They're having fun. They're quipping. There's, you know, and I think that's a really great setup for what's going to happen in helpless mm-hmm. because we can't have, we have to show that relationship in its sweetest, nicest form. So we understand the decisions that Giles makes and the betrayal of that. And, and all those things when it comes up later, without that relationship, there's no basis for anything else. Yeah, we have to see how great it is so so we can later see it go all horribly wrong. Oh, yeah. Sure. Well, that's the point. I mean, I mean you have that- to set up something to make it. If you're going to set up something, you have to make it to, if you're going to take it away. Otherwise, nobody cares. Right. Yeah. So, but, I mean, there's many writers and many shows that all of a sudden there's a conflict with no buildup. So, I do appreciate that they're peppering this in as they go along. And I just love seeing Buffy and Giles having a happy relationship. And when she throws the ball at his head, dude, that is hilarious. Yeah. That's like, so clever, too. Yeah. Because, you know, they're, they're setting up this whole, like, you know, Luke and the, you know, use the force stuff oh yeah oh she's like completely off guard ha 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 and then she throws the damn thing and you know it's like rube goldberg bing 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 ricochet rabbit and it's adorable so that was just like a really good visual and if you also you think about it this scene it's very funny and this is very much a jane scene like her i see her fingers all over this but also it's almost a nice callback out of mind out of sight with buffy not being able to see and so she's gotta you know hit giles without seeing anything and then it's called back later on when they go after ethan so mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. nice it's this nice carry through and right. uh, but i mean this scene is very quickly ends very quickly because buffy's got to go see joyce except oh, yeah. not <laughs> 
<laughs> and we've got to get David Boreanaz is in the opening credits, so he needs to have at least Hello, one scene. Hello, <laughs> salty goodness. And we have to have our gratuitous shirtless hot scene. Yep. Not complaining, mind you, but still. Yeah. So well, interestingly enough, though, like, and I'm not saying they're never objectified in this show, the women, but a lot of the good, like, full body panning up and down stuff of the characters in this show is the men. Yes. It's like completely female gay. She's just like, homina. I mean, and <laughs> most of the hosts on this podcast are all about the female gays when it comes to the kind of thing I was thinking of also like a lot of the, the uh, Marvel cinematic movies because it's the same thing we get a lot of shirtless guy shots which is fine and it's nice to have that thrown in there so yeah. you know and there we have we were here we have Angel doing his Tai Chi and hello nurse <laughs> yeah I mean like yeah. I I can this is one of those times where I can't appreciate David Boreanaz's yeah. you know, mm-hmm. physique me too yeah. I'm not uh, even that huge a fan of his but I when he looks good I'm no, not going to I will acknowledge I mean, it it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not even entirely the shirtlessness it's also the the him doing the tai chi there's yeah, just like a beautiful the, the physicality yes. of it yes yeah yeah and, yeah, his, I, the movie and I know you're everything. all objectifying me right now <laughs> always we are always objectifying you david every time yeah. you all know that david does this podcast totally shirtless you can't see it though <laughs> He's our little token hottie on the yeah. on the. Thing. I don't wear pants. <laughs> David wears no shirt in the podcast. There is a scene I I can't remember which episode it's in that Buffy and Angel are actually doing Tai Chi together, and I actually think it's their sexiest scene. It is a bit, yeah. yeah. I know I know scene. the scene you're talking. I don't forget what episode it is, but I know the scene you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so them working that kind of stuff in there that. I appreciate because I mean, like he was completely dressed in that scene. So it's I I think it's I just like David Boreanaz doing Tai Chi. It's a thing. It's right. perfectly valid. Yeah. Uh, He's in the credits. We need to have a scene. Right. And you know, these two dorks can never actually communicate with each other. Oh right. God. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah, honestly, it's like I'll talk about David Boreanaz doing Tai Chi, but the rest of the scene may go. One thing I do like about this scene. It's like, I, I think, I forget when it was, but there was some point where, like, Angel was going to be drinking some blood, and he's like, oh, I don't want to do this in front of you. Yeah. And essentially, that is, like, called back here, but they don't call it out. Yeah, he just, like, opens the thing He and just opens the bed, looks at the in. blood, and goes, oh, okay, I'll have this later. And just, and so it's it's a nice, subtle version of that, which is not as in your face, which I, which I kind of yeah, like. Yeah, no, that... It works. And I figured also they needed to like just throw in a kernel of angst because they are going this whole Buffy and Angel thing all the way through the season. So we had to like, you know, everything's light and fluffy and funny and then haha, here's your romantic angst. Yeah, though I really do feel like so much of the season is just okay, we gotta have David in the episode because he's in the opening (laughs) credit and we've gotta make sure to set him up for his own show. show. Yeah. So mm. much of his stuff is really extraneous because, yeah. I mean, like, basically the only reason for Buffy to go visit Angel is to set up that she's lying to both Joyce and Giles, which is what oh. happens in the next scene. Dun, dun, dun. Buffy is being super unreasonable. It's I'm sorry. It's like with everything that happened over the summer and I've complained before about Buffy not sharing information, and I know that Giles would probably want to kill Angel, but she's lying to absolutely everybody, and she's lying 
poorly. So her getting all, you know, huffy about the fact that Joyce and Giles are like, no, you can't just do what you want. And also, I, I think also, mm. I mean, considering she is the slayer and everything else is going on, I mean, at least, especially from Giles' point of view, it's like he needs to know where she is and what she's doing because God forbid something happens to her or, you know, if she gets like, jumped by a vampire or she gets beaten up or she's like lying you know dying somewhere it would be nice to know that she actually had gone out to do a fight or whatever the hell she's doing as compared to just like you know she's not just and she's you know so what 17 years old and there's still you know everyday mundane stuff that could be bad too so yeah you know. and i think that's what jo joyce is also coming to terms with she's only still trying to figure out the whole slayer thing it was only like two episodes ago that she found out buffy had died so, yeah, she's going to be a little overprotective. I can definitely see both sides of this. And I'm going to do one mm -hmm. of my, one of Andy's, like, what Buffy is doing, if you set aside the lying about Angel and stuff, is very much in line with theories of child development and the stages of child growth. And this is the stage where you test boundaries. Right. And it's the stage where it's identity versus role confusion. Right. And so it's like, who am I? What am I doing? What do I want? And in many ways, Buffy, her development is both accelerated and delayed at all at the same time because of where she is with this layer. But it's just in terms of like looking at this as a teenage girl. Yeah. Giles and Joyce are not being unreasonable and Buffy is being unreasonable, but, but she's being unreasonable in a way that's very, very, very actually teenage. And so I can actually appreciate that. Yeah, I don't so think she's whole, right. That I just think she's being a pretty typical, which I think the theme of this whole episode is sort of that, like the expectations of parents versus children and irresponsibility versus responsibility. And so mm -hmm. like, I think it works within the thematic stuff. So that, yeah. that's my, she's, I studied a lot of psychology, social worker bullshit that I always point out. <laughs> yeah, but she's 17 and it's that the whole, you know, you're not the boss of me and I'm an adult now and I can do what I want, even though you're not really, I mean, you know, I think most of us have gone through that period where, yeah, I don't want a curfew. I don't, why do mm -hmm. I have to check in with you all the time? Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. And you know, Joyce is going to parrot it straight back to her later where she's like, screw you. Right. Like, I get to do what I want to do. So mm -hmm. that's like, I think that's definitely within the juxtaposition. I do yeah. like how Christine and Tony are are handling the whole um, addiction to the candy in this scene because they're just constantly eating it. Then, you know, we find out that, you know, the candy is being handled by Ethan. And back. Yeah. And it's I just know. very I... brief, just like this little reintroduction to him. But And you're like, what up? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then we go to the next day in study hall and a really nice little bit between Cordy and Buffy. Yeah. I know. Yes. A nice it's rare lovely. moment between those yeah. two. Yeah, there's yeah. no snarking. They're just talking and I like it. Mm -hmm. I do too. I'm not going to comment on the other thing. I'm, I'm not I'm, just, I'm not going <laughs> to comment it's on It's awful it. that you just stop it and I hate them. Yeah. But I even with really that, the dialogue is really fun. Yeah. yeah, dialogue is still really fun. Like totally, completely not needed it there at all, and I wish it would go away. So. But with all of with what they're doing and the fact that I've written both of them off, I just want Buffy to interact with Cordy and Oz because Cordy and I Oz know, are like the right? people she deserves. Oh, well, you know, if, if Cordy and Buffy were like playing footsie under the table, I think I'd like it better. So. Oh, I'd <laughs> yeah. be totally into that. I'd like, be okay with that. 
But, I, yeah. I'd be okay with Buffy and Oz playing footsie under the table. Yeah, that's yeah, true. No, yeah. I, I'm pretty much, yeah, okay with that. Cody, um, Buffy, and Oz playing footsie under the table. Woo! Please, hey, um, yes, please. As long as it's negotiated polyamory, we're all good. Yeah, yeah as long as it's all consensual, yeah. go for it. Better than what's going on behind them. And I mean, I think that's what pisses me off so much. And we're not going to talk about it, but it's like too blatant given the situation. Like, how stupid are you? I, I mean, I said I wasn't going to comment, but I'm going to fucking comment on it. It's, right, yeah. I'm sorry. Sure. I, I brought it up because it pisses me off so much. No, I mean, I mean the thing is, it's kind of... I mean, there's a there is a reason it's there. It's just again handled incredibly clumsily. They had their little fluke, and then they're like, "We're not going to let this happen again." But now we've apparently progressed to the point of casually playing footsies under the table yeah. in class with their girl, right. his girlfriend, four feet or three feet in front yeah. of him. That's what gets me so mad. For so. God's sake, people, it's study hall. Control yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Cordy looks so beautiful in this scene. Oh, she looks oh, great in this. And then she has that comment about it being BX. BX, yeah. Right, you know, she's like, I That's used to use sweet. this book. You know, yeah. she says the funny line about Giles making her pay her late fees yeah. uh, for a book that's like a year overdue. But then she says, "But you know, for all the college students when she's carrying it, you but know, that's the I yeah. yeah, yeah. I want to know what she's philosophy committed. text she took out of the library. <laughs> I don't know. I would guess it was probably an intro book. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I, I well, that's the thing. It's like I would love to hear the story behind that because logically, oh yeah, probably an intro book. But the thing is, it's Cordy, so she might just take something at random and go, oh, it's a philosophy book. College boys will like this. And I'd love to see it's like, yeah, she's carrying around John Rawls' Theory of Justice or something. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it's just like a giant copy of Being in Nothingness or something. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Which I did carry around because I thought college oh God, boys so would sorry. like it better. Like, oh, I love being in nothingness. Yeah. This is great. I'm not a Sartre fan. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm a huge Sartre fan. We can talk love, about that. I love No mind, Exit. But... No yeah. Exit is great, but his actual philosophy stuff, yeah, I'm not an existentialist. So. I also really like Cordelia's line, I'm bored and he's not here to give me credit for it. Oh, yes. I do too. <laughs> and, 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 Ms., and Ms. Barton. Yes. See? Oh, she's awesome. Just, she's just like. Oh, yeah. And, and her scene also, or that's the next scene where she she's talking to Snyder about coming into the class, right? Or is that the scene before? That, that's the scene. It, it's interspersed. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of interspersed. And like, yeah. how much do I love Armin Sherman? And they're gradually, they're gradually peppering in that something is happening yes. with the teachers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just gradually. He's not full on right. where he's going to be by the middle of the episode, but he's getting there. Yeah. And they did so, that earlier with Joyce and Giles. Yeah, yeah, I think it's as a well. to both Jane Espenson as a writer mm -hmm. and Armin Shimmerman and the actress who plays Miss Barton, Peg Stewart and Anthony Stewart Head and Christine Sutherland. Yes. That everyone yeah. is able to do things very subtly in this episode so that you know that something isn't right, but you're not quite sure what it is until it happens. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're really playing great. it like so well and you're just like, something is twigging not right, but yeah. Oh, uh, you know, it's just Snyder being an asshole today. You know? Yeah, and then it's right. not. But. And at first, they're just really happy because they get out of study hall. So right, right. And Buffy's kind of Buffy's making a face though. She's still just like because she's worried about Giles. She's worried about yeah. Giles, so she goes to Giles's, and yeah, <laughs> they're gonna schedule all of her time. And so she's not, you know, sure, but 
she gets the car keys, so it's okay. So, yeah, right. I, I do love the way it's shot because they shoot it. They don't show Joyce at first. And Buffy comes in and has like a like a minute or so of talking to Giles. And then all of a sudden the camera kind of pulls out a bit and is like, and why is my mother here? <laughs> it is. It's a good yeah. it's a good visual gag. Yeah. 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 No, everything kind of like builds really nicely in this scene where you think it's going to lead one way where it's like, OK, they're setting up all of Buffy's time. But no, Buffy's getting the car keys and then it becomes really funny. And then Buffy is super happy and she's like, you don't have to tell me twice. Well, you did. Bye. And, yeah. and then it switches again. And, and then we're. Bring out the Kahlua, bring out the cigarettes, bring out the cream out. Okay. <laughs> Kids out there. Do not in smoke. Land, yeah. Smoking is bad. But, but damn, Tony lighting that cigarette is. <gasps> <gasps> Hello, nurse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, he's he like, ah. Uh, do th- just do three out of four of us have that exact note? <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and just yeah. The way, also the way uh, Kristen Sutherland plays the whole thing because she's feeling it too, especially when. And then she's, she's just like, like <laughs> this sort of like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Did you think she noticed? It, it's great. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, this is this is the point where we move from oh, they've been doing a really good job of subtly peppering in stuff about this plot to okay, now they're just going to have a ball for the yeah. rest of this yeah, episode. For sure. And I, like we've said in the last a couple of episodes these these one-off episodes that the, the monster is not the real you oh. know our monsters are very light yeah. and they're just like whatever it's babies or whatever right they're incidental yeah this episode's be a great there, example but, of that but, but it just really doesn't uh, it, it's great and, and i'm sure every single actor on this show was having a blast oh, oh this totally. is actually one of christine sutherland's i think i think three, this is her favorite it's it's yeah. one of her one of her four favorite episodes along with Ted, when she was bad, and innocence. But this was her most fun to work on. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, well, she, she gets something big and meaty to do, which is great, you know, and it's 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 funny as all get out. Well, uh, at the beginning of this episode, it seemed like it was just kind of a by-the-numbers Buffy episode, you know, it's focusing on her. But now the episode switches and you realize, oh, this is actually a Giles and Joyce episode. Because right. they actually you know take up most of the time like buffy is the one who's still doing all of like the heroic slayer stuff but a lot of it's actually focusing on them and i love it because this is like one of the only choice episodes you know aside Mm -hmm. from buffy dealing with joyce's illness and giles as you know even though he's been a main character since the first episode, he's only got a handful of episodes of his own. So, and usually they're like heavy duty, you know, um, like Halloween or whatever. So here he's having a ball too. And also, I'm going to declare it: I ship Joyce and and Ripper so hard, it's ridiculous. It's just like, ah, like, I know. I more. But I, I, I think they're that. adorable together, especially in this mindset, you know, because she's like so smitten with him. It's adorable. I got. Um, I got to say, I. I can't. I mean, if this were something real, that relationship wouldn't last more than five minutes. No, oh, no, no. <laughs> but then we having a damn not. load of fun while they were in it. I, at least I, she right. I have to say, I, I, I feel like she's way more into it than Giles is. Oh yeah, yeah. I, oh, I, yeah. Have, notes. I have notes that it's like. She oh, you have is, a lot of notes. <laughs> she is that girl that 
totally because she says the thing about do you like seals and crofts right yeah and, and then he's like what and she's like no no neither no do I. me neither no it reminded, yeah. it, see this gets a little get a little got to me a little bit because it reminded me of the two years that i pretended to like the grateful dead because uh-huh. all my patchouli stank hippie boyfriends love the dead and all the folks i hung out with love the dead not just the boyfriends so i pretended to love i don't like the grateful dead i like three other songs I don't. That's I don't fun. care for them yeah. at all. In fact, I don't hate them. But I was just like, oh my god, I was Joyce, and I realized that this time through. I'm like, oh shit, shit, I was Joyce. I was slightly cooler than Joyce, but I was Joyce. Yeah, yeah no, we're we're seeing that Joyce was not like cool, calm, and collected, and she will like kind of at least at, at the age of sixteen, you know, virtual sixteen, she's totally like into him. Will do anything he wants because oh my god, he's like the coolest thing she's ever met in her life. So right. he's a bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> and he does have some great taste in music. Oh, oh yeah! Really? I, I want to see the rest of his record collection. Listen to Cream. I would have been in like Seventh Heaven, but unfortunately, they all had crappy musical taste. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah no. I mean, we hear him I listening like to Cream in this, and later on, we do see Oz going through his records. And but Oz was so impressed, he was planning to move into Giles's house. Yeah, <laughs> right. I no, Giles too, has okay? good. <laughs> Giles had good taste in yeah, really good taste yeah. in music. I, and I did giggle over, man, I got to get a band together. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> while ruffling his hair. Oh, I, I know. I have to say, though, and, like later, Joyce references Juice Newton, and I'm like, wait, how does this timeline work? How is Seals and Crofts and Juice Newton no, well, touchstones for Joyce? We'll get there. Joyce is the girl that pretends to like everything her boyfriend likes and Giles is that like terrible boyfriend that's like again personal experience that's like yeah I'm gonna play the guitar for you babe and just won't stop playing and won't (laughs) communicate with you and it's like let me play you all this oh no wait uh let me noodle around on the I you know I I did I realized through this episode I was like oh my god I was Joyce I was so Joyce Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us have had our Joyce moments, so I, I get it. But and it's almost like a there's almost like a kernel of pathos because you see her doing this and you're like, oh, yeah. this explains a lot, actually. Yeah, I, I do kind of feel like, and I mean, I'm not trying to disparage Joyce at all. I'm more trying to disparage Ripper, but Giles is into her because she's there and she'll put out. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. No. I. I. It for sure. That's absolutely what's going on. There's no question. Yeah. Now, and, he like, and you can see later he likes showing off to like somebody who's really into him. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. He's she. I mean, she's hot and she's there. Oh yeah. And she does look fantastic in this episode. Mm-hmm. She'll, yeah, she she'll does. Get, yeah. get look even better. But um, we did skip over the scene of Buffy driving. Oh god. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, oh god. I do not want that teenage driver on the road. That's like. That's my, like, grown-up thing. I'm like, God, why are teenagers on the road? Which is funny, because Buffy is actually not an irresponsible person. See, that that's, that's kind of what bothers me the most about this. It's slightly out of character. It's a little yeah. out of character. And also, you would think, like, because she's a slayer, she should have, like, good reflexes and stuff. That she actually should be a better driver, even if she was irresponsible, just because of the fact that she's got, like, slayer mm-hmm. skills. It's and not yet, the reflexes, it's the distracted driverness, yeah. not the reflexes. Yeah. She's distracted, and it could almost be that because of of her slayer reflexes that she's overconfident yeah that's true mm-hmm. and an overconfident driver is a bad driver i if i was a parent or someone in this position i would 
be totally willing to hand over the car keys to Willow, but oh, I would yeah. not want to give my car keys to Buffy. Or Cordelia. Cordelia drives, yeah, so... It's yeah. really funny. None of the Scoobs ever really start driving. Like, the... And, so and Oz drives. Oz yeah. drives yeah. and Cordelia drives. But mm-hmm. Xander and... Oh, I guess Xander dr- started driving when he became the ice cream man because he had to drive the ice cream van. Oh, right. But, and I, and later the season, yeah, they don't get a car. And, and, yeah. and later this season, yeah. he'll certainly drive in the yeah. Zeppo. But yeah, yeah, driving never really played it. I, I guess because it was too... Which is weird, because it it's California. It I mean, I think we're supposed to get oh. the impression that this is a walk a, a town with walkability. Yeah. Speaking of things that are weird, this is something that actually kind of... We actually, I, I don't know that we've hit it yet, but it's not really scene specific. But in this episode, I think there are more people of color in this episode than in every other episode of Buffy Combined. <laughs> Really? Really? Yep. There are a bunch of the workers at the thing, a bunch of the adults at the club. Uh, one yeah, of I the know there's friends. at least one pair that are making out. Yeah. One of one of the babies is a black is a black baby, and it's like, wait, since when are there people of color in Sunnydale? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, I, it's yeah, just no, kind I, of I, odd to me because it's not something they make any kind of deal of it. So it's like. It doesn't seem to me like they thought, oh, let's put people of color in this. No, they did not think that. No, at all. no, no. But they it's like, especially all. with, you know, Mr. Trick having just a few episodes pointed out that, yeah, Sunnydale's kind of white. It's like, huh, where where'd these people come from? Yeah. <laughs> Willow and uh, Buffy get to the bronze. Um, God. And we so see great. how crazy uh-huh. it is. But one thing that's, it's just such a tiny, tiny moment. It's when Willow and Buffy walk in, they, they cut to Oz, and you see his smile at seeing Willow. Yeah. Oh, I know. oh my god, she does not deserve him. Like, at all. Find a partner that looks at you the way that Oz looks at Willow. And Mrs. Barton is super funny. <laughs> I love great. that, I love they think that there's a Billy Joel concert in town. Because <laughs> that is definitely like... <laughs> this is the point where this episode starts not being as funny as it used to be for me, because... <laughs> It's like, no, I mean, literally, they're like, is there a Billy Joel tour in town? And I'm like, oh, so they're you like, so 20 years ago, they're using Buffy, the Billy Joel as the epitome of what's passe. I saw him a month and a half ago at Madison Square Garden. The other thing I liked is that Buffy has her little, you know, let's do the time warp again joke. So I just, I like the fact that there's a little Rocky Horror. And as we've mentioned before, Tony had played Frankenfurter, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, so there. I just love, are there any nachos here, little tree? (laughs) Yes. Yes, back in the days when you couldn't actually mention that somebody had been smoking pot. And I think it's adorable. She's like, you know, the 65 or 70 year old hippie chick and it's wonderful. So. Not this little tree. Yes. <laughs> Armin Shimmerman. Just Armin frickin' Shimmerman. He's oh, such a good actor. Armin. And the thing is, this is not a side of Armin that anyone ever gets to see in his acting except for here. I yeah. can't, I mean, he's snarky and fun as Quirk. I would disagree. I, th- I think he gets a lot of Maybe not like this nerdy type, but he gets a lot of farce to do when he plays Quirk. And yeah, I that is, a lot of, a lot of nice stuff. Yeah, and there's a lot of like kooky stuff that he got but to do. The, but it's but also in makeup goofiness. at the time. Yeah, but the goofiness of yeah. it, the absolute like goofiness of it, is just and his enthusiasm, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and he's so adorable here. I mean, you actually for Snyder, you suddenly want to like hug him because he's so damn cute. Yeah. At least for me, you know. I really don't think people appreciate how 
good an actor Armin Shimmerman is. Yeah, because they think of him and they just think, oh, he played Snyder. Oh, he played Quark. But I mean, he's like a trained theater actor. He is a trained theater actor. And it shows he is really fucking good because you going from Snyder to Snyder, a <laughs> like like Barbarino, right? And that's another as we were talking before. Like, how old is Snyder? And like Barbarino is a little seems a little too oh, old. No. For him. I mean, I mean, I mean Barbarino was my age, and I was not Snyder's age at that period. I mean, it was like 74, 75 because I was in junior high school, and it seems like he's a little bit older. Than right, that. but I, they're not just. Here's my justification for some of this: is they still have their memories of things, right? Yeah. And so like something you could think you could think something is cool even when you're in your 20s that you then flash back mm-hmm. to you when you're and I don't think they're actually transported back to being 16. It's right. disturbing mm-hmm. second childhood. Willow even says that's what she's looking yeah, at. Yeah, I just felt yeah. like disturbing the, the, the pop culture end of it it seemed a little out of his realm for something he would have picked but mm-hmm. I think it's a great I have I to It's, it's funny anyway, but okay. Yeah, I have to say I'm not going to go into it a lot because it is a tremendous mess trying to tease this out but the mechanics of this whole the, the whole candy thing i have no idea how this all works it's a curse no, I don't either. it really I makes don't no sense but that's okay it's cursed chocolate and move on yeah. no no of course but yeah <laughs> plot wise yeah it just works but if you actually think about it you're just like wait what yeah i it, don't think yeah. about it it's and a I'm not, and I'm not, there's there's too much to tease out so i'm not even gonna have try. some chocolate and mellow out yeah it's phlebotinum brand chocolate Right. Yeah. And it, so it's far. more it's more it's not that they're reverting back to a certain age. It's like they're they their inhibitions are lowered and oh, yeah. their reasoning skills, which leads you to believe immaturity, right? But yeah, it's just that's basically just putting all the, the, the parents and the adults on freaking acid. Basically. Right. It's like acid chocolate. Without the, the full blown hallucination. Yeah, yeah well yeah. I mean like Joyce says that you know she remembers everything. She remembers having Buffy and being married but it kind of feels like a dream like it's not real right. so she just feels like she's a teenager and as right. for like it references to Welcome Back Cotter I mean we don't know how old Snyder is and also like if he was in college or something at the time he's you know a, enough of a loser that he probably stayed home to watch stayed Welcome at Back home Cotter. Watched- Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I was saying it's anything is possible. I just yeah. kind of like twig me slightly off, but that's okay. Like I said, yeah, I mean, I'll well, eat chocolate that... and mellow out and not worry about it too. Yeah. But I, and I also think... just think about his line: "There are some foxy ladies here tonight." Armin's See, oh that's my perfect. god, it's so yeah. great, perfect. <laughs> I just so know when he kind of struts off to get them. It's just like, just you know, as we were saying, he's such a fine actor, and it's not just. The, the verbal stuff it's the physicality which is something mm. i think you brought on deep space nine too there was a lot of stuff that he got to do underneath you know latex masks and stuff so f- he's just a brilliant physical comedian too yeah it's it's fabulous yeah but yeah no i think i'm going to make it a habit of walking into rooms and go there are some foxy ladies here tonight <laughs> <laughs> next time i see you you better <laughs> say that I feel like that should either needs to be like a, a con ribbon or it needs to be a shirt now. Oh. Porn stars. They were porn stars. Porn stars, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Uh, and then we get another little scene of Ethan and Trick together where we, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Trick's warning. Well, first of all, Mr. Trick looks amazing in that suit. Like, I really yeah. like that purple uh-huh. shirt. And it's, 
He's oh. a nice dresser. Oh, he's, he's very sharp dressed man. Dresser. Yeah, I love. It, it's been established that he has the best suits. Yes, he really does. He's yeah. like a snappy dressed vampire dude. He's uh, a hottie. I'm realizing how much Trick is a hottie through this rewatch. I, yeah, I was always like, yeah, yeah. he has a good looking guy, but this rewatch, I'm like, damn, K. Todd Freeman, I am into you. <laughs> yeah. Now everybody else will know not to steal any candy. I like it. I mean, it's horrible, but. Also, I mean, he's a vampire. Of course, he's going to do something terrible. Uh, and it's a very quick scene. And then we go back to the bronze and more of the gang. Well, and now it is a gang because it's not just Willow and Buffy being all weirded out. But Oz is with them now, too. It's just like, what's happening? <laughs> and Snyder's, you've got great hair and just walking oh, around Oz oh, and just staring at him. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. Like this episode, a lot of it is just going to be this part is really funny. Yeah. I mean, just like, the, the, again, like physicality, the look, the movement, and just like, just Seth's face. Like, what? <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I'm thinking that this episode probably had to have a lot of takes because there was probably a lot oh, of cracking yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. I know. They don't really, they haven't really, Buffy gag reels. I mean, there are a few of them out there, yeah. but they're real minor and they're not a lot of, um, because that wasn't like a huge thing to yeah. do is like release mm-hmm. the gag reels like they are like Supernatural always releases the best gag reels. Yeah. Good place. The good, good place oh. gag reel is also really good. And the Parks right. and Rec gag reels are amazing. Um, but that wasn't that wasn't a thing. Yeah, Buffy. Mostly, I remember gag reels of like stunts that like yeah, the stunts didn't go. Angel right. had a couple. They did a couple good gag reels for Angel. Yeah. Yeah, um, because David Boreanaz is fucking funny. Yeah, he really is. He's yeah. hilarious. But yeah, I mean, that, and that wasn't a thing to release them as much as they are now. But I mean, there is a Buffy gag reel. You can find it on YouTube, but it's not all that entertaining. But I agree. Yeah, the, the, the gag reel for this episode that doesn't exist probably, you know, the virtual one must have been great. Yeah, but they decide to go off and find Giles and Snyder's going to go with them. I'm amazed oh, he didn't yeah. try to call shotgun. It's <laughs> just like the way he just like gets into that car and he's just like, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says the most problematic thing ever, but the way he says it is so great yeah. that I'm like, oh. And I don't think that was something that was considered problematic. No, it was not. No, it wasn't at all. I mean, it uh, was just it was just a thing you said. Even a couple of years ago, I mean, like the, the longer form of that word was used in a Weird Al song. And it was only then that it really articles and think pieces were written about how it was not a good word to use. So I think definitely in 1998 that nobody thought anything of it. But like, I understand it was a lot more of an offensive word in the UK than it yeah, was, I was in, just about the, to say in, the, that. in uh, the United States up until recently. And listeners, it's the S-P-A-Z word we're talking about. That It's how Buffy drives. Yeah, because so, in the UK mm. for a long time they used that instead of like somebody with cerebral palsy etc so it was kind of like a throwaway but it was considered much more of a slur there even back like in the 60s as compared to in the u.s where it was just kind of like you know if you said you had a spastic colon that's what they used to call ibs back in the day i mean i Mm -hmm. had that diagnosis so it was not considered offensive back then and then you know in the shortened form but these days yeah now it's not a nice thing to say. But yes. Arvin's Arvin's delivery of it is still just so priceless that you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's the it's the problematic fave line of the episode. Yeah. It is a pro- <laughs> I mean, it's one of my favorite lines. But I know it's problematic now, so I'm not going to repeat it. But it's great. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, because also you can't deliver it as well as Armin Shimmerman can because right. well, nobody can. <laughs> and we see the chaos going on in town. And it's really nice that actually they take the time to be like, oh, yeah, Oz doesn't know about Giles's history. It's it's not like rote that he knows right so he's just like yeah everything's fine i'm sure he was a great oh shit (laughs) again this is where we get into how the mechanics of the spell works and i'm not going to go too far into it but it was always my understanding that maybe giles didn't go fully rebel like this until he was out of what we call high school it was more in his 20s. But again, the candy basically makes you just irresponsible and have make poor decision-making skills. So I'll go with it. Right. And it just as you said, loosens your inhibitions, kind of gets rid of your filters and stuff. So whatever. It's an excuse to, for Tony to use his original accent for him oh, to suddenly be wearing an earring and to wear a white t-shirt and look freaking adorable. Yeah. yeah well, I yeah. mean, like with Giles having an earring, he's always had an earring hole. He's just wearing right. an earring. Yes. Yeah, but it's like suddenly came out of nowhere that I suddenly like, oh, look, he's got a little gold loop in his left earlobe. It's Tony's earring. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, but you have, I we've pointed it out, I think, on the podcast, so you can see the earring hole in Giles's ear. So I guess it is pretty canonical that Giles would had an earring at one point in his life. He just does not wear it anymore. Right, so we he won't worry just... about like whether the hole closed or, you know. Yeah. But I'm wondering for this episode, do you think that when they broke the episode, it was kind of, let's do an episode where Giles becomes Ripper again? Or did they Probably. just, or was it just like, let's have the adults become teenagers? I, I'm kind of wondering, I kind of think that let's have, Giles become Ripper was the impulse for impulse it. Oh, for, for the episode. sure. Yeah, yeah. We want to see. We want to see this. Yeah. No. I mean, who wouldn't want that as the basis yeah. of an episode? Yeah. And and, right. and they're out and they're walking and we see the mark of Igon tattoo on on Giles. Yes. Really. That's really good continuity. They didn't forget about it. So mm-hmm. and Giles breaking into the store to get the very oh juicy oh, baby. coat. Oh uh, my god. I love I love how Joyce goes, oh, that's so brave. I'm like, yeah, that window was really menacing. I know, right? <laughs> I know. But yeah, no, I mean it's like the opposite of there's nothing brave about it. Absolutely yeah. nothing. Yeah. I just oh, love that like, I- it's like, oh, you want that coat? Okay smash i love it it's just like so all the references joyce makes to music it's really an ingenious way of setting up that she's not that cool right right you know what i mean so she talks about seals and cross she talks about juice newton now i kind of just want to sit around and sing angel of the morning because that was the big juice newton song listeners especially younger listeners juice newton was a country pop crossover person that had all her big hits in the early 80s including angel of the morning and uh Queen of Hearts. Right. So there you go. There's your trivia. And I have for to the say day. that coat is fucking awesome. I would want somebody to steal yeah, it. I would totally. It looks that. so I good would, on her. I would, it would look terrible on me because I'm too short and round. But it's an awesome, awesome piece of clothing. Christine looks gorgeous in this episode. I know. The way yeah. they did her hair and her makeup, and they did make her look much more youthful than Joyce usually looks. Right, and, and even the, the mini skirt and the, 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 the boots and everything, just like, they, the, the costuming on her is fabulous. Yeah, she is a gorgeous, gorgeous lady. And I was actually, really uh, I was cleaning up 
reorganizing my Buffy action figures and I was looking at my Joyce figure that they have and it's from School Hard. And I got really, really mad that they did not make a Joyce from this episode. Yeah, that would have been excellent because she just it's yeah. like she just looks so amazing in this. And like I said, I, I, I ship this Giles and this Joyce because they're just like yeah. so ridiculous. <laughs> and she's her saying, You're like Burt Reynolds. Oh yeah. Again, oh, like I a know, little bit of a nerdy. Yeah. I mean Burt Reynolds was the height of hot though. At in like the point. late, in like the middle to late seventies, middle to late seventies, right? By the eighties, yeah. so he, or, you know, especially by the nineties, he was kind of like not anymore. But, but yeah, he, he's but also yeah. very much not what Giles is. Right, exactly. Right. No, Giles is like trying to think of like a hot celebrity from the seventies or early eighties that Giles is. Well, it's like he's a smart from the Clash. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Joe Strummer, but better looking. Or... Yeah, you know, he's definitely. Yeah, no, he's 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 Giles. Yeah, and Giles, or I should say, Ripper, gets into a fight with the cop and gets the gun and then takes the girl and Auto- snogs her. <laughs> ah, he snogs does a little her. more than snogs her. Not snog her. He does a way more than that. <laughs> well, yes, but initially. Twice. Yes. Well, yes. he starts out snogging, and then they hit the roof, the, the the hood of the car. So, and then there's a tasteful pan away. Yeah. Yes. And you know what? I didn't fully get it. I was like, did they do it? Did they not do it? Like, yeah, there's a reference to it at the end of it, but like, you don't get a hundred percent confirmation of it till earshot. Yeah. Well, because they're running around later, and they're still fully dressed, and they look exactly the way they did. Nothing's like out of place. So, it's well, and like, then they also did it in public. Yeah. yeah. It on wasn't top of just a cop's like car. on that's, top of a cop car. That's that's, that's really public. Yeah. That is. I, really, I do actually really reference public. that in my essay. You know, because that's my assumption, but it's just like, yeah, and later on, you know, like I said, there's not a, there's not, nothing is out of place, nothing's on backwards, nothing looks, so it must have been really, really fast and, you know, whatever. Well, well, Giles (laughs) is a teenager right now. Right, exactly. True, that is true, that is true. I don't know if it was the best, actually, no, because Buffy hears in her mom's mind that the sex was really good, He's a stevedore. Yeah. He's a stevedore. (laughs) Um... What's a stevedore? Tony looks so good. I just cannot stress how much I am attracted to Ripper. Oh God, me, uh, me neither. I just everything about him is just like yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> I never want to date that boy anymore. But God bless. I think it's because I imprinted on I imprinted on guys wearing white t-shirts with flannels around their waist in the 90s so now i just automatically find that like super hot i'm more about the just the fact that he's like you know a london bad boy with an earring which i imprinted on no in the 70s so yeah (laughs) if you're out there boys (laughs) we we will have more time to talk about the hotness of giles now we'll move on to buffy figuring things out buffy's so smart she is so smart she figures everything out and her Friends are smart. And there is a shorthand. Yeah. Well, yeah. Shut up, Tanner. And Snyder's cute, I got a curse. (laughs) 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 Uh, And we get a reference to Oz's parents. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's like the, I think, probably the only reference to them in the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Buffy and Snyder go off to go find the, the chocolate. But instead we find... Buffy finds uh, Ripper and Joyce making out with each other. <laughs> and 
I, I'll hand this to Ripper. He knows well enough not to get into it with Buffy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I love that he plays it off and he starts going through his hair and grabs a cigarette out. But like, yeah. yeah. She's like, do you really want to fuck with me, Giles? And he's like, no, I really, really don't. <laughs> yeah. uh, I am not. I think I'm going to have a cigarette instead then. Yeah. I'll think I'll have a cigarette <laughs> instead, yeah. I wasn't quite keen on Giles calling the chocolate candy. Yeah, he would have said sweets. Yeah. Probably. But it's one of those things where it's like an American show, so they make the British people say American words anyway. Yeah. I forgot what I was watching the other day. Oh, it was um, a rerun of Heart to Heart, don't ask why, but Patrick McNee was on, and he kept saying schedule, and it was like making me a little crazy too, but American TV, so. Yeah, but yeah, it was just something that stuck out to me, because it it did not sound right. You know, if Joss has written this episode, he would have said sweets. Yeah. Because Joss is yeah. such an Anglophile, but because this Jane, yeah, it was candy. And the name of the episode is Banned I was, Candy. Yeah. So I was going to say, yeah. because it is specifically Banned Candy, and that obviously is a known term to everyone in the school, maybe that's why it went that way. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's just yeah. a minor niggle, but you're right. Yeah. Buffy gets really creeped out by Joyce and Ripper, and so she's just going to. Uh, instead go in to figure out what's going on and she confronts Ethan. Well, I think we probably need to address like what Joyce says to Buffy there. Basically where she tells Buffy to fuck off. Yeah. 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 yeah she tells Buffy to screw yourself. And if you're going to be, Oh, you want to and I have no, right. I want to do chocolate. Right. So I think that, I mean, it's, it, sets Mm -hmm. things up from their prior conversation and because this isn't actually taking her back to being 16 but it's lowering inhibitions in that moment i think joyce is honest Mm -hmm. not in a parental way in a way a parent would say it but in a way that the joyce really means it if you think about what joyce you know as a single mother living you know working mother etc and the fact that she's not allowed to do things that she wants to do because she's trying to be a good mom and you know a responsible mom etc and also setting an example for Buffy yeah this is a time where she's suddenly like you know what screw you I've given up stuff too and I've had to watch you and I've had a blah 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 blah. so yeah I think it's a good character moment it's also showing that Buffy besides the car thing is a responsible teenager Mm -hmm. actually all the kids are responsible teenagers and they do teenage stuff and I will definitely like point out when it's like a really bone like a really just bad motivation mm. thing for the kids and when what they're doing is very much on the line of what like what teenagers do but all the kids in the scooby gang are are pretty responsible except for xander pretty <laughs> responsible kids yeah. and so it is that contrast mm-hmm. of like absolutely out of control joyce and giles as opposed to willow and cordy and buffy and oz figuring things out and 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 taking charge of the situation in an adult yeah. way. So, like, you know. Yeah. Well, this will not be the first time we will we'll observe we've observed that, you know, adults in Sunnydale are useless. Yeah. yeah, but Buffy doesn't have time to really get into it with Joyce. She's going to go into the the building and she's going to bring Joyce with her because she doesn't want Joyce and Ripper making out with each other anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> she would rather bring Joyce into potential danger than have Joyce and Ripper make out. Perfectly reasonable for a teenager, I think. I was going to say that, that there's something really real about this, about the fact that teenagers tend to forget that like adults have sex and yeah. parents have sex, uh, and they're grossed out by the, the concept of it, too, because yeah. 
you know, somehow parents are not, they're supposed to be above that or something. But yeah, yeah it's, it's a real, it's a very teenage thing. To, ew, especially if you have a single parent. Okay, do you think Willow is super regretful that she never got to see Giles fully rippered out? Yeah. Yeah. Because of her insane crush on Giles. Because when mm. everybody else is like, Giles is old, ew, thoughts about Giles and sex, Willow's like, nah, no, that's <laughs> it. So like, like. Willow would try to play off that she doesn't find ripper attractive that she'd be weird enough. well i'm actually she'd maybe lying. Yeah. <laughs> maybe willow actually finds giles attractive yes. steady yeah. kind smart like knowledgeable mm-hmm. research man maybe she actually finds that more attractive than it, ripper it, i like, don't know i mean like just looking at like the people that willow dates like she doesn't really seem to have a bad boy thing like no yeah. she doesn't well or a bad girl thing well Kennedy a little bit, but... We don't speak of Kennedy. I always I always think about that line in Doppelgangland when she, like, meets, you know, Vampire Willow. And she's like, what's the line? I think I'm kind of... Oh, what is I, I, it? I, I'm skanky and mean. I'm kind of... And I'm I think kind I'm of kind of gay. But Willow does have really kind and sweet oh. partners. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But, but I think there is there is a sort of... There is, I think Willow mostly like buries the the bad boy attraction, but it's there. Well, well come on, in her relationship, bad she's person. the bad boy. Yeah, I mean, yes. when okay. when, she, when she's an evil vampire, she's with vampire Xander. So I, <laughs> yeah. true. like let's not like hit Xander's ourselves. Terrible. Um, yeah, but, she she's the bad boy, not the partner. Yeah, right. but. Uh, Buffy confronts Ethan. Come on. You you don't expect the Slayer is going to get involved with this. You don't realize that, oh yeah, Giles is going to revert to being Ripper. Oh, well, <laughs> I actually think that this is the, the real flaw of this episode. It's like, okay, so you've distracted the parents, yeah. but you haven't distracted Buffy at all. Like, Right. Right. Or, or her friends, or even, if you think about it, they haven't even, like, any other teenagers, so they're kids who are, like, babysitting their little brothers or sisters or something. Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of like, the, the yeah. plan ignores the fact that there is a slayer in this town. Yeah. Right. It's like, and, and the mayor knows there's a slayer in town, Trick knows there's a slayer in town, and Ethan certainly knows there's a slayer in town. Yeah. Right. And Ethan <laughs> so also knows not only is there a slayer, but she's got the backup team who does all the research and stuff, and if so, they'll find a way to, to fix this. Yeah. And Maybe he he's just knows. really hard up for money and he's like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> and he also, he also knows that she will fuck him up. And not only will she fuck him up, Ripper's gonna fuck him I up. I was gonna <laughs> say, the thing that I find really funny about this confrontation is that Ethan doesn't run when he sees Buffy. He runs when oh. he sees Ripper, he's Ripper, and he realizes Ripper. that he's Ripper. He sees the earring and knows immediately. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and, and just away. like Giles is, I'm sorry, Ripper is so hilarious because he's just that, like, "Hit him, knock his teeth out," yeah. you know, like, "You're my slayer, do what I say." It's like right. it's so. And then, it's but, like so his reaction, funny. she does hit him. Like, yeah, he's <laughs> dancing around in the background. He just, like, and he's the, the way he says, the way Tony says yes, and then bites his little lip. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I think like the scene with Buffy, like you can really see like Ripper as a teenager. Like he's yeah. definitely like it's it's not like this this cool. He he's just giddy and just like 
very yeah. childish. And right, damn you, Joss, not for not thing. giving us our Ripper spinoff. <laughs> That's not Joss. wasn't Joss's fault. That was the BBC's. It was BBC? That wasn't going to be what they were going to do. It was going to be called Ripper, but they weren't going to... It was still going to be Giles. Huh, I, mean, I I'm just remember hearing wondering. news about it, not really like the content. But. It, it, was, it was a thing with the BBC and the rights and stuff. So that was a lot of it. It was yeah. not yeah. Joss's fault. Yeah. I feel like blaming Joss anyway, so... Yeah. yeah, I do too. But in this case, you know, this isn't like calculating, let's do a spell and an orgy Ripper. This is just like teenage giles yeah that wants to see the violence yeah he's know? just like suddenly like mr punk rocker and let's go smash stuff you know it's yeah. like he's turned it in a way he's turned into sid vicious you know like, he's well, just like my question is yeah. are they like I, I i don't i don't know if this is if this has occurred to me before or if i mentioned it before but of course now i'm, I'm suddenly going like did they base this on john constantine oh good question very good question because that's just like and timing would Obvious. make sense too, yeah. Because the timing Con- works. Yeah, Constantine yeah. was like it was it was like late eighties, very early nineties. Because Sandman mm-hmm. started around eighty nine, ninety, and I know right. like all that Vertigo first, stuff first appears in Swamp Thing. So yeah, I mean, and and this is like this is totally Constantine's backstory, like uh, just like you know, punk rocker gets involved with magic. It's just, I mean, it's totally, mm-hmm. totally- even down to the cigarettes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and the only thing is, he, well, oh, I guess Constantine might not have worn a trench coat as a kid, but you know. Yeah, I think like the thing that you can definitely tell that it's not like their minds were transported back to when they were teenagers, and that they still retain their memories and everything is that Ripper totally wants Buffy to hit Ethan. It's right. like he still got all of that adult animosity towards Ethan. Rather Mm -hmm. than seeing him as a friend. Right. And then it's interesting that he lets, but not lets Buffy, but he's not the one doing, I mean, he does a little bit of hitting, but he actually lets his Slayer kind of take over and do the wailing Mm -hmm. on him, not the other way around. I mean, Buffy is trying to hold him back. But, yeah. He, he uh, doesn't yeah. do much hitting. He just pulls a gun on him. And, and, yeah. and, and, and on the side of his neck, like, ah. Uh. And, and as much I as I hate love... guns, I, as much as I hate guns, I have to say he looked damn sexy doing that, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. he does. And I love that Snyder is telling people he took Taekwondo at the Y. Yes. <laughs> yeah. which, which for me works as a nice callback to the Tai Chi scene with Angel earlier. Yeah, I actually did think of that too. Um, there are some scenes intercut with this involving the scoops at the library. And I think we're mostly ignoring them because they're mostly exposition. And also there's more Willow and Xander bullshit. So I'm mostly just acknowledging that they're there. Yes, my, you know, my, my, my notes and- at this point says in all caps, kill this storyline, kill it dead. <laughs> And also, uh, Snyder hitting on Joyce. So you guys go and study? She she is so great. She doesn't even say anything. Just the look she gives him. And like the little shift away is just like, oh, I love you. you, It's like, I mean, it really is like, it's just vocally, it would just be, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) It also calls back to something that what Buffy said to Snyder a yep. few episodes back about like oh you never you never got what dates is the in exact high school, line? Right. you never got a single, got a single date, date in high school, school. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, one thing that we have not mentioned that i think is really interesting is that snyder is the one that brought the band candy into everybody's lives through the at the school mm-hmm. but the fact that he was affected by this 
And he does. I don't think he knew that it was cursed. Well, they, no, that's, what, well, that's yeah. what I'm saying is that the fact that he was affected by it, that he ate the candy actually kind of pulls him out of the whole, you know, conspiracy that's going on with the mayor. Like they were setting up this whole him being involved. But we can see now that no, Snyder's not involved. He's just kind of like this, you know intermediary fall guy he's only involved as far as the mayor needs him to be involved yeah, right. he's, he's not he's with. not part of the group he's just a he's a tool basically yeah. which actually well, he, makes sense in terms of schneider and the fact that i think he thinks he's more important and more in with the mayor than he really is and this kind of hey, proves it the mayor shook his hand twice. twice twice yeah he said i got a commendation from the mayor he shook my hand twice so yeah he's not he, he is. He's an intermediary for for nefariousness, but he doesn't know what the actual yeah. nefariousness is. Right. Yeah. But so. I mean, it wasn't until this point that I think we really knew that because, I mean, they had mentioned that Snyder knew that they were on a Hellmouth and Snyder right. helped cover up, you know, a vampire attack. So I actually, I know that as well. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. there is kind, there was kind of this. You know, oh, is you know Snyder involved in all of this? But the fact that he was affected by this the spell that you know he was allowed to eat this candy just mm-hmm. goes to show that you know he and also you know he's he, not he as, as important as he thinks he is right exactly uh they get a little bit of information from ethan and then they get more information from willow and yay oz is the one who found the information on the demon i Woo! love it i know yeah, I don't know why. There's something so endearing about him, like, pointing stuff out as Willow's, like, talking on the phone and reading it out. And he's, I, I don't know why, just, like, a really sweet moment between because the two of them. everything Oz does, we will find endearing. All right, well, true. I, I, what am I, what am I thinking? Giles is always <laughs> hot. Oz is always adorable. As those two go, there go my nation. <laughs> and Cordy is usually pretty damn impressive. They got to figure out a way to tie up Ethan or something. And so Joyce is gonna help out. I know. And we yeah, have our my, first song moment. My handcuffs. Fa- Why is it always handcuffs? <laughs> my favorite line of this whole thing, not favorite line, my favorite delivery is when Joyce is like, Willow wants you real bad. <laughs> that is yeah. like one of my favorite deliveries. Christine's delivery there is yeah. just so Willow wants you real bad. Like yeah. I can hear her. You know, tongue popping and clicking. And I love her physical acting when she pulls out the handcuffs pulls out by the handcuffs. her thumb. And yes. she's got this sheepish look on her face. And she's kind of just like holding them like, hello. hello. Yeah. And I'm like, whose idea were the handcuffs? And, and how were the funny used? thing is, I question whether they actually used them for anything <laughs> odd or if they just took them off the cop. Well, I think <laughs> they took them off the cop. And I think maybe that was the plan for later. Later. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. that's okay. my theory yeah. that she wanted them and they she had plans well, like, grab the handcuffs for later and i don't know maybe they were just both like yeah yeah let's you know we find out that the sacrifice is babies and so a bunch of tricks vampires go to the hospital to take the babies and even within that giles knows demon lore which i thought was awesome you know, all he's, of a sudden like, he's like wait the, wait i know this one i, I know this, this one and it is good because he comes through despite the ripperness of the moment. Yeah. So. They both do. Both Joyce yeah. and Giles oh, yeah. come yeah. through. They just need to be directed by Buffy to yeah. do it. And again, we see the mundanity of, of the mayor's evil because he's just like on the phone and he's just like, can you move that appointment? Yeah, I've got <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Although, I gotta say, I give them credit for once they actually set something up that 
Yes. Comes later. Yeah. The exposed uh, gas pipes become relevant yeah. shortly. So. Well, and I, yeah. And the mayor is so, like, I, I think it's funny, which is the dichotomy of the mayor, that mm-hmm. he, he was actually probably a decent mayor. Yeah. Like, it sounds yeah. like he's getting infrastructure stuff done and mm-hmm. things are pretty well organized. He mm-hmm. just plans on devouring the whole town later, but it should be a nice place <laughs> to live before he does. Right, exactly. Here is the thing that I don't think anybody really thinks about when we're talking about the mayor. It's like, okay, yes, the mayor wanted to be a gigantic snake, and like he w- mm-hmm. he wanted to become the embodiment of an old one, so right. like a like one of the first demons. But mm-hmm. Sunnydale has been around for like a hundred years, and he's been the yes. mayor the entire time. Well, I, I don't know if it's established he's the male the entire time. Maybe he takes a little break and gets like a patsy in there and then comes back. You know what I mean? Like takes 10 years if off. If he gets to... a patsy in there, then he's still the fucking mayor. Yeah. I know. That's true. But you're like, just be like, wait, why is it the same mayor and he hasn't aged? You know, there's actually in one of the Tales of the Slayer comics, they set the, it's really, it's just an interesting one or two uh, panel thing. It's about a Slayer like the old West in California. And I can't remember the whole storyline, but like Richard Wilkins rides up on a horse and you can see the founding of Sunnydale. It it was, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they do establish that Richard Wilkins established Sunnydale. He, he created it specifically for demons to feed off of. So yeah, he has run Sunnydale in, you know, one way or another for, I think they do state that it's the centennial year of, the founding of Sunnydale. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. for a hundred years, Wilkins has run Sunnydale and town seems to be doing pretty good, except for the fact that people go missing sometimes. Yeah. Well, you yeah. figure if he wants to keep getting voted in, he wants to be a good mayor. So people like bring him back and not throw him out of power or something. So, I yeah, mean, my, my head cannon is also that again, he disappears for a while and comes back basically as his own son. Right. Oh, oh yeah. You know what grandson. I mean? Like he's, yeah, that whole. Yeah. Well, he, he's yeah. he's done it three times. That's why he's right. He's done it the three, third. Yeah. The third. Yeah. But I mean, like, yeah. even if like he didn't take a break in between, Sunnydale is such a town. It's the the Sunnydale syndrome. Um, it's also um, it happens in Derry and in Stephen King's It. It happens in oh. a lot of stuff that if there's something weird that you you just kind of ignore that it's weird. So I fully believe that he could have been the mayor the entire time mm-hmm. and people just like ignore the fact because i mean like i i gotta be honest i can't remember who the mayor of my town is right now <laughs> i can and there's a running joke in albuquerque See, that one guy's been the mayor forever he hasn't been but he's been the mayor and then not the mayor and came back and was the mayor mm-hmm. again and then like he's been mayor like three times um and so there is a recurring joke in my town of- that's actually the thing where i live there's somebody who's been the mayor for most of the time that I've lived here. And I've lived here for almost 27, I think probably like 27, 28 wow. years. And she's been the mayor most of the time. I don't think she is anymore, but I still think that she she could be. <laughs> you see, my town, my town has like legislatures and we have like a supervisor. We don't actually have mayors in my town. But I'm well aware of like who the mayor of New York City has been since like I was born. Oh, yeah. So. I know who my mayor is. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Aware of who the mayor of New York City is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, okay, I'm, I'm sorry even aware. He is, but it's better. I guess he's better than some alternatives. So. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I do love that he's taking care of infrastructure problems when he's standing in the sewer. And I just think it's charming. 
thing. And he's super I smart because the, the second Buffy shows up, he's like, he's like, bam, howdy, and credit. I mean, it's definitely late '90s CGI, but Laconis uh-huh. does not look terrible. Oh, no, he's actually I, a pretty good. I, was I the only thing that... him to look terrible. <laughs> Yeah, no, he looks pretty good. And also, I mean, it's just one of those things for anybody who's ever seen Flesh Gordon, which is the sort of mm-hmm. like X-rated yep. Flash Gordon parody, which is actually pretty good. I just like whenever I see like Giant Snake, my brain goes Penosaurus. And I, I'm sorry, but that well, was another goddamn Penosaurus. So <laughs> all all the snake type monsters on Buffy look like penises. Yeah, it is so just like if there's going to be a snake monster on Buffy, it's going to look like a dick. Yeah. yeah. This and one. Then- this one doesn't look that much like a dick. I, I but mean, it doesn't I mean, not look more like than a dick. Just well, a but snake it's a snake. It's a phallic symbol. Snake is phallic. Phallic. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. this, it, it is late 90s CGI, but it's good late 90s CGI. You can definitely tell that they have a budget now. And they smartly do not show a lot of Laconis. Yeah. So I, I'm, you know, hats off to them. They did a really good job. Yeah. They will... They have done worse jobs in the past, and they will do worse jobs in the future. Yeah, so. yeah, no, it's it's good effects. I mean, I honestly expected because it's such a nothing part of the story that they wouldn't have put that much work into it, and it would have been awful. But it actually is not that bad. Yeah, not that bad. Yeah. And well, I and I do. And once again, Buffy is so great at scanning her environment and being so great in the heat of a battle about, oh, what can I do with this pipe? I can set this thing on fire. And I, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. It, it, Again, it just shows how ingenious she is and how good she is in a crisis moment. Sometimes she's not great in a non-crisis moment, but she's great in a crisis moment. I was going to say, I also like the fact, like, David had talked earlier about how we had to have, you know, why don't they just, you know, stab things? Why don't we, you know, or stake things? Why do we have to have an action scene? Mm -hmm. I like the fact that we actually don't have much of an action scene here when it comes to Lurkonis. It's like the Indiana Jones moment of pulling out the gun and shooting the guy. It's really good use of her time in this space and just like, you know, fuck Mm -hmm. this. I'm just going to set the damn thing on fire. Although, although again, it takes her a while to actually stake the vampires. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, the, the, fight i mean it's it's really a nothing fight because the the fight's not important um, right. no. not important it, it, no. we've already once we get to the lair then you know the story's basically over i like that joyce is involved with this rescue this is the only mm-hmm. time I that joyce is involved in any sort of dangerous situation where she's not in danger right she is well, she is part of the rescue team well she's and not usually dressed like too. juice newton so <laughs> it was the coat the coat makes her a superhero i love the fact that she was this is the way she reacts to the babies i mean that's one of the things when i wrote about it just her her like but the babies it's just i don't know it's something that, that's mm-hmm. so sweet about it and so like very joyce because she's a mom and she gets the baby thing but once laconis is gone and trick has you know you know taunted buffy and gone up through the manhole they always have to say something they always <laughs> have to say something yeah and Joyce says that Buffy can blow off the SATs and Buffy's. Oh, right. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do it because Buffy's got a new sense of responsibility. She does, and because her Giles must do a pretty good job with prepping, because you can see, you see Giles helping Buffy study, right? Right. He must do a great job because she gets a good score on her SATs. Yeah. Though I have to say, I bet the SATs were delayed anyway. Because oh, I'm right. sure they the were, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. the chaos. But hey, does it? I just had a thought. I mean, this is just me being silly. 
what about the people with diabetes or that are allergic to chocolate? Were they just like fucked off anyway? Well, maybe they had like a sugar-free or, you know. Oh, well, whoa, yeah. sugar-free candy bar. Okay, there you go. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, they have sugar-free chocolate, so they pr- I'm sure they did that. The, the al- allergies, Mill, maybe there's something even better, else. carob. Ugh! Ugh! No! Oh, it, it doesn't matter. They don't need to get everybody just as long as they get like 75% yeah. of the people. I get you. I just was being facetious. Yeah, I know. Uh, we get a brief scene of the mayor menacing Mr. Trick. Mm-hmm. Now, I am a little disappointed we didn't get more Ethan in this episode. He's yeah. there. Yeah. But yeah, it's he's... not an episode that revolves around Ethan at all. No. He's sort of this minor player that's there to move pieces around. But yeah. it's, I, I mean, it's Giles and Joyce's this... episode. Yeah, I he serves a function, this... but it could have been anyone. Yeah, maybe when they first wrote it, it was somebody else. They just got a, you know, subcontractor A, and then somebody said, hey, let's bring back Ethan because people know him and it's shorthand and then we can do this stuff with Tony and blah, blah, blah. So. I actually wonder if it's kind of the reverse, if that the precipice of this episode was let's turn mm-hmm. Giles into Ripper again, right. bring right. Ethan in to have, you know, the, the Ripper. With him? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's. <laughs> it was them on top of the police car. <laughs> hey, it could have been you. You know that they got down. <laughs> I know that they you have. You know that Ethan yeah, and Giles yes. got down. I I totally do. But I'm wondering if in the original version, if maybe Ethan's part was pared down from from the original. bigger. Yeah, like they they decided to make the thematic change of making it about parents and kids and yeah. responsibility and Joyce and Buffy too. and instead of Ripper and and Giles. Yeah. So. Um, huh. Yeah, I mean, this is just a theory. This is, I mean, you know. Interesting. Uh, if, I... if Jane comes to Galilee next year, maybe I'll go to her coffee clutch. I'll ask. There you um, go. Yeah. I did I did notice that on the DVD, one of the special features is, is an original script. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So maybe we should most of those are, take most a look of at the that. Origi- most of the original scripts they have released, I've got them all in a book. Mm-hmm. Um, up until about are those four. the original well, original uh, scripts or shooting scripts? It, okay, so what they usually release is like the shooting script. Mm-hmm. Like the most of the original scripts they that they have published are not actually original scripts. Right, they're more yeah. like second drafts and a couple of deleted scenes in there you might not have seen. Yeah. So I don't. Well, for what it's worth, what it says in the DVD menu is original script. Yeah, but they play, play I know, I know. I, I could the, be anything. The but. only original, original script that I know that exists, and it's not something that they've ever officially released, but somehow got out there, is when they did Corrupt, which was the original version of Lonely Hearts for Angel. Mm. Mm, yeah. Which we will talk about when we get there, because, boy, those... That that's something to talk about, but yeah, no, I'm I'm wondering if possibly they'd planned for a bigger part for Ethan involved with the whole Ripper mm. thing, but then they you know paired back his role, and it's like, well, we already have Robin Sachs, we already have yeah. Robin yeah, Sachs, so let's you know keep him in there, and his part was just smaller. You know how we always talk about in an alternate universe, right? Like, oh, I'd love to see that in an alternate universe. That this was an episode about. Giles reverting and him and Ethan reverting and Mm. just fucking up the town. (laughs) Like they, but like that would be so cool in an alternate universe. Mm -hmm. In this universe, I'm pretty damn happy with this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, we have Mm -hmm. uh, one last small scene of Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kiss Rocks. Why would anybody want to kiss Rocks? Yeah. 
Uh, one thing I noticed, it's like, I hate Xander in this episode because basically the only thing Xander does in this episode is cheat on Cordelia. But yeah. he yeah. has yeah. one of her homecoming campaign posters in his locker. Yes. Yes, I didn't notice that. And I'm like, oh, why do you have to be so sweet when you suck so badly? Yeah. I know. Yeah. And then the the little end of the episode where Buffy's thinking that she might have done okay, but she's worried. And Mm. Giles and Joyce having their little moment. (laughs) Oh, but the SAT dialogue, again, calls back that original piece from the beginning of the episode. And so she's like, I don't know. I felt so... Like, and you think she's yes. going to talk about, like, the band candy and the, you know, all that stuff. And she's talking about her SATs. Right. I do think, now, Joyce did not know how bad of a driver, but, I mean, she knows how bad of a driver is. But why would you make her pay back the car oh, damage? Yes. I was going to say, like, after, all, after all the chaos that went down that nope. night, you I'm... would think that Joyce would be like, just let the insurance take care of it. Fuck it. Absolutely. And also, I'm... it wasn't Buffy's fault. The other guy actually T-boned her. Yes, I mean, exactly. she was driving badly, but he hit her. But did Buffy get the guy's insurance information? Well, the guy ran off. Right. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like the... she yeah. could have gotten and, his. And there was plate. other stuff going on, but this there is was the other stuff going on. I don't and, think and, Buffy. And got it's again, license. it's the way Joyce puts it. It's like Buffy assures me that this was done in the in the process of fighting evil, so I'm going to let her pay it off in installments. Bullshit, Joyce. You? Yeah. you know what was going on. You you clearly remember taking a day return to Bone Town with Giles. So and stealing shit out of a window. Twice. Exactly. Yeah. And like so, yeah, you really know what was going on. And you're still going to make Buffy pay it back? Yeah, that's a Bullshit. true from Joyce. A serious dick. I am giving Joyce a pass on it because it it almost sounds a little playful the way she puts yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. I, I think she's more teasing Buffy and considering Buffy's fabulous outfits that she will have this season, especially when she gets to like prom and everything. I don't think <laughs> Joyce is actually making her pay for the car. I, okay. I don't think Joyce has earned the benefit of the doubt yet. <laughs> At this point, I, I've, she's earned the benefit of the doubt for me. Uh, and also, where is Buffy going to get the fucking money? So there's that. Right from her allowance, her allowance would just be docked. I guess is yeah. Well. I, I don't know. There's something about the way she says it. I still want to like smack her. Yeah, it's, well, it's after just... everything that went through. Like stop. Okay. Stop. Yeah. Well, I think we've reached the point of final thoughts. And if people don't realize <laughs> what we think about this episode. You know, we after listening to love it, we love this yeah. episode. This yes. is just a fun. Um, this is a fun episode. It really it is. is. I have a really, I have something really serious to say though. Uh-oh. Did you guys realize that, that Giles is so fucking hot <laughs> that I can hardly contain myself? That is the most serious thing. Like you guys don't even understand. Giles uh, is seriously hot, but. Oh, aside from that, because I that's been very well established. This is an amazing first outing for somebody. No, it's fabulous. I don't any of the Mm. other writers that we've had come in. Yeah, usually their first episodes are kind of shaky, and I can't think of anyone where it's just like their first episode was anything as good as this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, Andy's looking that up. (laughs) 
I am a huge fan of Jane Espenson. I love. I am her a hu- I love her. Um, I especially love her writing. No, I will say Drew Goddard's first episode, "Selfless," is one of my very favorites. Okay, the selfless. The one is with good. Anya yeah. in season yeah. seven. I I I love I love that episode. Okay. So Drew yeah. Goddard okay. is. Drew Goddard would be in there with me. Okay. Too, right? Okay. Yeah, but this is definitely. But that's that's way down the line. Yeah. yeah. So but yes, this is definitely a very strong first episode. Oh, so and yeah, very much. Tony, Christine, and Armin oh, are just so amazing in this. They, they are, are the so MVPs this. of this. It's like yeah. Sarah is also really good in this, but she's completely owned. Like I hope all of those kids who were in this episode were watching. The adults acting and seriously so- because they're just like everybody is so on point and perfect. So. Yeah. Oh, they're great. They're fabulous. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those ones that is so rewatchable. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's so incredibly rewatchable. It's so fun. It's. it's I mean, light. honestly, it's just. I it's watched great. it ten at least ten times in a row to write my essay, and it was not a chore. I was just like, oh, teehee, I get to watch this again. Yeah. Maybe I'll pick up something new and different, as compared to like certain other episodes for other books that I've written, where it was like, okay. Hey, yeah, I gotta watch it because I gotta write notes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kill me now. And so, of yeah. course, um, our listeners uh, must realize at this point, since we often mention, I have a note. When we're watching an episode, we do write down notes as to, you know, things that we want to mention. And with this episode, it's one of those episodes where I had trouble making notes. Not because I I, I didn't want to say anything about it, but just because I, w- I wanted to watch the episode. Mm-hmm. I Yeah. I didn't want to like miss anything because it's just so funny. And like when you're, st- you have to stop and make notes and you kind of like interrupts the rhythm of the episode. And this episode is just so fun that if I had had time, I probably would have watched it again and just watched it. I think through. this might be in my mm-hmm. top 10, all time top 10. I think yeah. it, it might be for in sure. Too. It's definitely, it's really it, great. It's going to be very high up there in at least the season three wrap. up. Oh, it's right. way oh, up totally. there. Yeah. for sure so there's a couple of trivia from this episode so according to the sunnydale high yearbook the chocolate sales were six hundred thousand (laughs) dollars wow (laughs) that's pretty good You could buy a totally different band for that. Yeah. No, honestly, like, uh, I mean, they probably put the sales figures that high to be, you know, as a joke. Yeah, but yeah. like for like a normal band, I bet it would be like a thousand dollars, maybe two thousand. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, right. Yeah. But normally bands don't sell addictive cursed candy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's the problem. They should. Here's the funny thing. They raised that much money. And by the end of the year, there's no more Sunnydale High School. Right. <laughs> True. Did the band ever True. get their trip to Florida wherever they, or their new uniforms? <laughs> they were, they was for uniforms, yeah. So Because, yeah. you know, those fuzzy hats go with everything. Yeah. <laughs> and in terms of music, we have quite a bit of music in this episode. When the Scooby gang are walking at the school, it's mm-hmm. they play Blaze by Mad Cow. At the bronze, um, Four Star Mary, a.k.a. Dingo's Ain't My Baby, perform Violent. When Oz, Buffy, and Willow are talking, Slip Jimmy by Every Bit of Nothing is playing. The adults sing Louie Louie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> and last but definitely not least, Giles and Joyce listen to Tales of Brave Ulysses by Cream. And that will get a very sad 
callback. Listen yeah. to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, we'll get a sad callback of that yeah. later. In the episode Forever, Giles listens to it after Joyce's funeral. Which is a really... We need to talk... Yeah. Andy, talk about how Giles is hot because we can't go out on this note. Just call me oh, well. Angel <laughs> on the morning. Angel. I gave you a little Juice Newton there. <laughs> I, I, do, I, I do have an amusing observation. Okay. We see Joyce take her gum out before she starts making out with Giles at one point. Uh-huh. There's another scene where they're ma- they're about to make out and Giles is chewing gum right before he makes oh, out with her. He, <laughs> does not, he does not take the gum out of his mouth. He's just like, I'm going for it. I'm pretty sure I they just switched pieces passed, of the I was going to say, it's probably the choice's gum. It uh, was a gum swap. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's a note to go out on. <laughs> that is a note to go out on. So, I'm glad I could help. So next Giles week... We'll be reviewing Revelations. Until then, grr, arg. Giles is hot. Grr, arg. Grr, arg, mate. We'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast, and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, liked, and subscribed on social media. If you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube, Tumblr, and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, on Twitter at Hellmouth Return, or on email at returntothehellmouth at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read your comments on the show. Be sure to rate our show at iTunes and Stitcher, and check out our show merchandise on TeePublic and Redbubble. Also check out our sister podcasts, Drag Hags and the Trash Compactor podcast. See you on Tuesday. Grr. Arg.